You're listening to Locomotion, KVNF's public affairs program. I'm Lisa Young. Joining me for this edition of Locomotion are Natasha Leger, Executive Director for Citizens for a Healthy Community located in Paonia, Colorado, and Leah Lindsay, Conservation Program's Manager for EcoFlight, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating and advocating for the protection of remaining wildlands and wildlife habitat using small aircraft. So thank you both for being with us today. Natasha, I'd like to begin with the recent eco-flights in the North Fork Valley sponsored by Citizens for a Healthy Community and piloted by Gary Kraft of EcoFlight. Tell me all about it. Oh, thanks so much for the opportunity, Lisa. First, let me just back up a little bit for our listeners and just share a little bit about Citizens for a Healthy Community and what we do. Our, our mission is to protect the air, water, and food sheds of the North Fork Valley and the Delta County region from the impacts of oil and gas development and also to pave a path to a clean and renewable and resilient energy future. And we just had the opportunity to conduct eco-flights um, across the valley. This is something that we've been doing as an organization for several years, but we got a grant from the Center for Health, Environment, and Justice to expand that to, to others in the community, and, and in particular to new people to the valley in the last couple of years. And, and those that have been here for several years, but can always utilize an aerial view. And this aerial view is just really so important for us to see what's going on in, in our ecosystem and on our pu- public lands. And our main focus for going up is really to look at the activity that's taking place uh, on our public lands relative to oil and gas how close this is to the drainages that feed our watershed and feed our farms and provide drinking water for for the community. And so we conducted a flight on June 30th. Um, We have another one in July, and we've got another one coming up in August. Awesome. And in full disclosure to our listeners, I was on that July 13th flight, and I have to say it was absolutely an amazing experience being able to go up and, and just, I mean, to see the beauty of the, of the area was awesome. But then to get educated on the impacts of oil and gas in the North Fork Valley was amazing. Natasha, maybe tell our listeners a little bit about that flight path that we took and what we saw. Sure. So we flew over Somerset um, and over Paonia Reservoir and then up the Muddy Creek area. So what, what we wanted to look at in particular was the, the Iron Point unit. Gunnison Energy is proposing to expand an existing well pad to six new wells, and that well pad is on private lands, but it will be accessing federal minerals. And then we flew over the evaporation ponds or wastewater evaporation ponds for the two key operators in the valley, so people could get a sense for what that looks like, and also the wastewater injection wells. So 
the, the wastewater that comes up from the production process needs to be disposed of safely. And that's either disposed of in uh, open uh, evaporation ponds or in a underground um, disposal well, wastewater disposal well. And then we, we flew over Bull Mountain, which is a 146 well uh, plan, master development plan uh, for oil and gas, and then also the 35 well North Fork Mancos master development plan. And we also looked at a new well that was drilled in the last year and a half or so um, in the Trail Gulch unit. And then we went over to Rifle for a comparison of what the landscape looks like when there's unfettered oil and gas development. And the contrast is just stark between our valley, which is just so lush, and the extent of um, public lands and um, wildlands versus um, what's happened to Rifle now with just the spider web of development. I have to say that that really made an impact on me personally, and I'm glad that we took that flight path over so we could see the the contrast and and just, you know, it really made me think about, you know, the North Fork Valley and what it is that we want to preserve. What other uh, comments or, um, you know, did you hear back from people who were on the flight? Oh, I, I've heard such incredible comments back about how this was an eye-opening experience to be able to, one is just get that bird's eye view of the valley and that appreciation for how special and lush and beautiful our valley is. And then also the the recognition that this activity is taking place. You know, so many people said, had no idea because you can't see this from the road. And um, the ability to really start to understand what this development means for our landscape and also just the, the sense of encroachment because the other thing is, is, you know, we have been very successful over the last decade in preventing new leasing from taking place in the North Fork Valley. And as a result of community organizing, as well as legal advocacy, is preventing or slowing new development on existing, on existing leases. And so I think, you know, as a result of some of those successes, some people forget that the threat is still there. And, and so the comments that I got back were, you know, the, the encroachment is, is there. And it's really important to bring this awareness to people so that we continue to, to fight to protect our, um, our valley. And, you know, somebody made, made a comment to me that, you know, if it wasn't for an organization like, like CHC fighting so much to protect, um, you know, our, our public lands and our watersheds that, you know, we would look like rifles. 
Uh, we are going to talk a little bit more about what uh, Citizens for a Healthy Community is currently involved in. But before we do that, I do want to bring in Leah Lindsay, Conservation Programs Manager for EcoFlight, and talk a little bit about EcoFlight and then uh, maybe some of the collaborative efforts with uh, Citizens for a Healthy Community. Leah, thanks for joining Local Motion today. Thanks so much for having me, Lisa. I'm really excited to be here. You know, one of the first questions I have for you personally is how and why did you get involved with EcoFlight? That's a great question. And actually, I grew up here in Star EcoFlight is based in Aspen, Colorado, just over the hill from y'all. And I grew up in Carbondale, just down the road. My first EcoFlight actually was as a student in high school in Carbondale. And I was lucky enough to get selected for a student program that EcoFlight does called Flight Across America, where we actually traveled for two days up to Wyoming. And it was me and a a small group of other students. And we got to learn about the, in this case, uh, this trip was focusing on the recent expansion of the mountain pine beetle into higher elevations and new species of pine trees. And we were looking at that from the air and from above, that's really striking because you can see just the vastness of the the red and brown trees in what otherwise would have been a huge healthy forest. So that was my first eco flight. I went on to study environmental policy in undergrad and came back to the valley, was just thrilled to see a position come through my email that EcoFlight was hiring. I was like, I know EcoFlight. I did that in high school. Um, so, of course, I immediately applied and um, was really thrilled to, to get this position and to be here helping bring that flight experience to so many more folks. Explain to our listeners what EcoFlight is, how it works, and really basically the mission, why it's so important for for it to exist, and how people can be a part of EcoFlight. Yeah, EcoFlight, as you mentioned, that was a really perfect introduction. We're a nonprofit organization. We have a pretty small, nimble staff. Our mission is to educate and advocate for remaining wildlands and wildlife habitat here in the western slope of Colorado, but also across the western United States. And we do that by providing flights in our six-passenger Cessna 210 airplanes piloted by our professional pilot. As Natasha so eloquently described, showing folks things you just can't see from the ground and bringing that big picture perspective and understanding about ecosystems and our impact on them. Our passengers range from really stakeholders on all sides of all sorts of conservation issues. We, of course, fly folks who are doing really great important work on the ground uh, like citizens are a healthy community and kind of their constituents also decision makers and land managers who are really trying to better understand the issues that they're managing we fly a lot of press and we do a lot of photo and video work as well and as i mentioned we fly students and so it's a really diverse group of people we aim to always be filling the plane with a group of folks who can have a informed and really interesting solutions-focused conversation about the the topic at hand, and we also want this to be a 
opportunity to build relationships and for stakeholders who maybe have different or sometimes conflicting viewpoints to get to know each other. Um, it's a really unique experience, you know, just to, I guess, back up and give listeners a little bit of a, a mental image of what our planes look like. You know, they're, as I said, it, they seat six people. That includes the pilot. So there's the pilot and the co-pilot up front. Someone will sit in the co-pilot seat. There's two seats behind them. And then the, the rear of the plane is one single bench seat. So you know, whoever's back there is super cozy with the person next to them, which is a really, really cool experience. And it's just, you know, especially for folks who haven't spent a lot of time in small planes, like most of our passengers haven't, uh, to share this experience with folks who you've never met is just a really unique way to get to know someone. And it's disarming and it's fun, it's exciting. And you end up, you know, having conversations with this person, like they're your best friend instead of, you know, someone who maybe is actually on a different side of an issue than you are. Oh, I would just want to say I was one in the back seat on the bench seat, and um, it was a lot of fun, so I enjoyed it. But go ahead, um, Leah, what else did you want to share? I was just going to say one important part of the work we do is that all of our flights are provided at no charge to passengers and partners. So we want to make sure that cost is not a barrier to being able to participate in this. We want to make sure that we're accessible to the folks who need to be on the plane and the folks whose voices need to be heard. And that includes a lot of local stakeholders. It also includes a lot of like minority communities and tribal communities who we work with on a variety of different issues all across the West. Let's talk just a second here about your um, website um, because people were, you know, they're going to get interested in what we're talking about. Obviously, we don't have time to go through everything. Uh, so that's ecoflight.org. Maybe tell us just a little bit about this website and why it would be worth everybody's time to go and uh, take a look at it. Yeah, thanks for, for pointing listeners in that direction. The On the website, you can find information about all of our recent flights if you want to learn more about any specific issue that we're involved in, you can sort by oil and gas or renewable energy or wilderness or watersheds and see the work that we're doing on any of those topics. You can also read about our team. Uh, We have pretty small staff here. We'd love to get to know anyone who's interested in learning more about our work, Um, but you can read all of our bios there. Also, we have an awesome collection of photos, and those photos are always available to anyone who can use them in their their work or their mission or their reporting, you can kind of start to dig through our photo set on our website, and there's a bunch of photos attached to each of those flight descriptions that I mentioned. Really cool way to explore super wide range of projects that we're involved in right now. I think it's awesome, and it's a great place for people to go and look and, and see what's happening. I love the videos and the photos and everything that you're doing. Is uh, there anything else, uh, you know, as far as flights coming out? How do people find out about upcoming flights? Is that on the website? We do have a flight calendar there. The best way, if you're interested, if someone listening has an idea about something that we should be flying, uh, that we maybe aren't flying yet, the best way to get in touch with us is just to give us a call or send us an email. You can check out some of our upcoming flights on our flight calendar on our website and see if we're going to be in your area. But we have a lot of work in progress that's not always posted there as well. So feel free to reach out. 
Lisa, can I also add to that um, yes. from a CHC perspective? You know, we, we plan on making more flights available to our community. So if people are interested, they can always reach out to us. Yeah, I just wanted to build on what Leah was saying in that experience because people see different things. You know, we focus on the oil and gas pieces, but other people, they, they notice the Aspen decline. Um, they notice the timber projects. They, they notice um, even their own property as they're, they're flying overhead, um, you know, depending on people's experiences, you know, some, some people notice the, the level of remediation, you know, that has taken place, whether it's looking good or not. And so the aerial perspective is just such a not only memorable experience, but just a unique experience based on, you know, what people relate to, to what they're seeing. One of the things that I was really struck by was that, you know, there's no county lines. There's no, you know, this little dotted red line that says you're in this county or that county. Really what you're looking at is watersheds. You're looking at where these rivers are flowing. You're looking at, like, we flew over the Paonia Reservoir, which was really exciting to see how much water was in the reservoir this year compared to, like, last year when they ran out of water. Uh, Just getting, from my perspective— getting up and seeing the landscape and seeing all that the connectedness that we're all one it's one area and the protection of that is so important so for me personally uh, i've covered you know a lot of the uh, issues that uh, citizens for healthy communities been involved in and natasha's talked about a lot of these places and you know, but the perspective from the air is something that is so unique. So for a journalist myself to be able to go up, it just kind of reignites that passion for the environment and wanting to continue to cover these kinds of stories. We're going to be talking uh, in this final segment with Natasha on, you know, updating our listeners on the most pressing concerns and work for Citizens for a Healthy Community. All right, Natasha, um, we're going to hand this over to you. Tell us what's happening currently with Citizens for a Healthy Community. What are your pressing concerns in the work that you're currently involved uh, regarding the North Fork Valley and perhaps beyond? Thanks so much, Lisa. So, you know, our, our most pressing concerns at this point are the rate of local warming that we are experiencing in, in our area, in Delta County and on um, our public lands. So Delta County has warmed 2.1 degrees uh, Celsius, which is close to four degrees Fahrenheit. And that's faster than the national and the global average. And we are feeling the impacts of that. Um, and we actually did a program with you a while back talking about climate uh, issues with, with Pete Kobenschlaw. So I won't repeat that here, but, but that is our, one of our pressing concerns. The proximity of oil and gas development to the, the drainages and in our watershed is another concern. And, and that all, that all results in the impact that's having to to the North Fork Valley and frankly, everything that we cherish about the North Fork Valley in terms of the abundant water, the wildlife, the, the agriculture and the public lands. And, and what that ultimately boils down to us as, as an organization you know, working to, to protect this area is that there's no denial criteria in federal, state and county regulations around oil and gas. Um, so no denial criteria for climate impacts, 
uh, for cumulative impacts of, of that development or the health impacts. And so we are, um, we have a moratorium right now on new leasing in the North Fork Valley. Um, and that's until a resource management uh, plan amendment for the Uncompadre area is issued. So um, we are asking people to understand um, that the threat is still alive and um, that we need to do everything we can to continue to be the, the passionate and informed community that we are and fiercely protective. I noticed that uh, there's been a change, a name change in, I believe it's the Colorado Commission for Conservation on Oil and Gas. You, you might help me out with this. I saw this in your newsletter, and I don't know if that's something that you want to delve into. I did see it. It was it kind of caught my attention. Is that something that makes any kind of a change? I mean, does the name change matter? I mean, what are they going to do? So the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission is now the Colorado um, uh, Energy and Carbon Management Commission. And um, that was the result of legislation this year. It became effective July 1. And the, the reason for that name change is because the, the commission was also given an expanded mission. So in addition to regulating oil and gas development, uh, the commission is now um, going to be managing and regulating um, deep geothermal uh, resources. And so they felt that it was important um, for the commission to have a, a different name to demonstrate its expanded mission and, and also um, working towards uh, more carbon, um, carbon management, uh, carbon capture issues as well. So the name has changed, but the commissioners who are currently serving are, remain the same. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And uh, your, your thoughts on that, the expansion, to, is that a good thing? Is it just going to muddy the waters even more? Any opinions on that? Well, we were really concerned about that because we feel that the, the commission um, is, is still not meeting its, its current mission, um, which is to regulate oil and gas and prioritize the protection of public health, safety, and welfare. Um, the, the commission still doesn't have rules on cumulative impact. It still doesn't have explicit denial criteria. Um, there, there's still a lot that the, the commission is, is not doing to fulfill the intention of SB 19181. So we, you know, we, we felt like, you know, before they expand their mission, they should do, they should do a better job of meeting their current mission. So the challenge continues with that particular commission and what it is that they're going to be taking on. Anything else, Natasha, that's uh, kind of on the front plate, uh, you know, with you guys uh, for the North Fork Valley? Anything people need to know about like hearings, anything coming up that people need to get involved with? Sure. Um, Gunnison Energy, as I mentioned earlier, they are proposing an oil and gas development plan to expand the existing Iron Point unit to six new new wells. And that hearing is has been rescheduled to September 13th. 
so there'll be an opportunity for the public to comment on that. People did have already commented on the location assessment and the plan, but there will be um, new opportunities for, for commenting on that. And that was an area that we did fly over and take a look at. Kind of describe what that looked like from the air, maybe. The Iron Point um, unit is, or I should say the Iron Point um, well pad, is it has an upper upper pad and a lower pad. And so the plan um, that the operator has proposed is to have all of the new wells on the lower pad and then the processing take place um, on the upper pad. And so the gas will be, um, will be uh, transported from the lower pad via uh, flow line uh, pipelines to the, to the upper pad. And so what, what we saw flying over, there were, uh, I think, three or four um, what looked like water tanks um, from the air. So that will look very different uh, when you know, development moves forward. And I want to touch on something here that was said on the flight that I was on having to do with these abandoned pads where a lot of the grass is starting to grow back over. You talked about people camping on those pads, and I'm an avid camper. Talk about the dangers of, of people camping in an area that like that, where they've, uh, they've left and it looks fine and it's nice and flat. Tell us a little bit about why that might not be in your best interest, or you, you, you probably wouldn't even know about it, actually. So we discovered last year that there um, there's a legacy um, evaporation pit um, that was found to be contaminated, and legacy meaning that um, there just isn't there isn't information on it in the now ECMC, the Colorado Energy um, and Carbon Management Commission database on these. On these pits, because once upon a time, you know, operators were able to just dig holes in the ground and just put, um, you know, um, uh, wastewater and, and drilling um, drilling fluids and everything that they just they disposed of that in these open pits. They were unlined, and anyway, so what what happened is that Gunnison um, uh, Energy wanted to close out their their legacy pit and the the Colorado state rules require a soil sample in order to to close that out and the result of that soil sample was that that area was highly contaminated with chemicals um, with detex chemicals and um, heavy metals and so they're still in the process of my understanding is they're still in the process of um, doing soil sampling and um, in order to develop a remediation plan. But in the meantime is, is, as you mentioned, these areas are flat and they're on forest service land and people camp on them because they're, they're flat <laughs> and there, there's no notice that, you know, these, these soils are contaminated. And so um, that's, that's a big concern to us. You know, the, the public should be aware of, of of these issues and these risks. I mean, even when they're camping on old abandoned 
well pads, you know, there should be a sign that says, you know, this used to be a well pad and let the public make, make that decision. But right now there's no notice right now to, to the public. Yeah, I would definitely like to know if I'm out dispersed camping that I might be on land that could potentially cause some kind of health, you know, problems. Um, yeah, it's it's really kind of scary. You've been listening to Local Motion KVNS Public Affairs Program. I'm Lisa Young, and a very special thanks to Natasha Leger, Executive Director for Citizens for a Healthy Community, located in Paonia, Colorado, and also a very big thank you to Leah Lindsay. Conservation Programs Manager for EcoFlight, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating and advocating for the protection of remaining wildlands and wildlife habitat using small aircraft. Again, Natasha, thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been a pleasure as always. And Leah Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us from EcoFlight. Thank you so much, Lisa.